0: Every time a a preacher or pastor I'm gonna to have to preach through the balloons here, aren't I? Every time a preacher or pastor preaches, he has at least three sermons. The sermon he prepared to preach, the sermon he actually preached, and afterwards the sermon he wished he'd preached. And this morning I'm gonna preach a fourth sermon. The sermon that the elders asked me to preach, and it's sort of a, a housekeeping sermon. It has to do with the oh, thank you. This is my best, better side now. <laughs> they can see it. <clears throat> it has to do with uh, elders and deacons, but I'm going to try to uh, preach a more generic sermon as I mention these things. That. I hope applies to every one of us. The Lord Jesus had a lot to say about leadership in all of our lives, not just in, in the church, but every aspect of our life. The apostles had much to say about it as well. And when you boil it all down, it has to do largely with the attitude of our heart when it comes to truly being what God calls a servant. And I'm titled this Servant Leader. Jesus said, Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I hope that that's where we can can go and apply this to, to each of us. But the immediate uh, thing has to do with uh, installing deacons in our church. We have, from the very beginning of this church, have had multiple elders, but we have not had multiple deacons. And I'd like you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Acts, Acts chapter 6. This is kind of the historical precedent and pattern that most churches for 2,000 years have followed in instances like this. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose seven men, verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. The elders, uh, what really precipitated this, a uh, couple of things. The elders meet uh, each, each week, every week, 52 times a year. And sometimes uh, during the week, uh, an extra meeting has to be held. And as we were looking at the agenda and what we were dealing with, many of the things that we were dealing with were functions that should be cared for by deacons. And then realized also that the elders, as a group, were depriving others from the ministry uh, participation that was going on with the elders. And also last year, uh, it just really hit us, there was several families in this church That had water issues, and and some of them were single moms. And we weren't organized in a way to step on it and, and help. And that's one of the other motivating factors to help us organize in this way with official deacons and deaconesses. Heavenly Father, I pray that each of us would have a heart of a servant reflecting the heart of our, our Master, our Lord, our Savior, who said the servant is not greater than the Master. And yet the Master got on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples. As an illustration to us of the heart attitude that we are to have before you and toward each other, I pray that you would speak to our individual hearts uh, in this whole thing of what it means to serve one another this morning. As you be our teacher, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The attitude of heart that is to be manifested in the body of Christ is so distinctively different from what we see out there in the world. It was Jesus who said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over And we've all experienced that kind of thing. There's some good leaders out there that are not believers. There's a whole lot of attitude that is quite contrary, where there's fear and intimidation and leverage and threat is used to get a desired result. And in the church, there has been through the years a lot of spiritual, what's called spiritual abuse, where guilt manipulation and leverage and legalism and performance orientation, these kind of things to get people to act in a certain way. It's abusive. One contemporary example is lording it over. Uh, Do not touch the Lord's anointed. There's a whole group of, uh, I call them a splinter group, really, in the evangelical church that has this attitude that the pastor is unique and above everybody else. And you don't dare go contrary to what the pastor says. You just accept what he says carte blanche. And then in many churches, there's what I call being led based upon the golden rule. He who has the gold rules. And there's a lot of that that goes on in, in a lot of churches. It's the, the most wealthy businessmen in the church are just automatically put on the, on the leadership team of the church, regardless of qualification or interest or anything else. Uh, Sad, but true. That's the way a lot of contemporary churches operate. And is it any wonder that 90% of the churches in America today are going down, diminishing in size. and They're on the decline. So, what does Scripture teach? And this morning, I didn't uh, print out a handout because what I'm going to be teaching is this part of what these verses talk about. I'm focusing in on a certain thing. In one of the key texts, there's three that we often turn to. First, First Timothy chapter three, verse one says, "If a man and this largely was applied, uh, it is applying to, to elders specifically, but it applies generally." If a man desires the office of an elder, he desires a good work. The word ortego, or orego, to reach out after, it's a present tense middle voice verb. Duh. Okay, what's that mean? It's something where there's a heart passion that continues to reach out for, and it is an inward motivation. That's what the middle voice there is, an inward motivation that... That this passion towards this particular ministry, and underneath all of this ministry, is serving. And then the, the strongest Greek word for passion is epitomia, And here it is, uh, describing the same, and it's also in the present tense. It means all in. And I, as a challenge to, you, to the elders, if you're going to be an elder in this church, be all in. It's not a sidelight. Secondly, 1 Peter 5, 2, I exhort the elders among you, serve as overseers. That's what an elder is. He's an overseer. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not saying, oh, okay, it's my turn. I guess I'll serve a term. Actually, uh, if you're called to be an elder, it should be, Considered a life sentence, a lifetime ministry of being a pastor, elder, overseer, shepherd in a local church. Unforced, voluntary, of one's own will. And then the passage in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. The word there for watching out, to be sleepless, watchful, attentive, there has to be, to be a godly servant leader as an elder, an emotional investment, not just for an hour on Sunday or during an elder meeting, but as a pastor-shepherd-overseer, It's on your mind. It's in your heart. It is a full time engagement. That's what God calls us as elders to be a part of. And it says here that we will one day give an account. The responsibility will end at the end of our lives, and we will be held accountable. Eldering is a particularly tireless responsibility. Now, with these preceding verses in mind, and some other verses that apply here, I want to look briefly at a leadership profile of a godly leader. A servant leader is one who knows that all of life is a gift. In 1 Peter, and by the way, uh, in September, actually the end of August, we're going to start a series through First and Second Peter on Sunday mornings. Here was one of the verses that we'll cover. First Peter three seven says, "Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wife with understanding." I'd like to preach a sermon right there, but I, I'll pass. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, knowing that you are heirs together of the grace of life. Life is a gift. One who is a servant leader understands that everything is a gift. In him, in, in God, we live and move and have our being, Paul said to the philosophers on Mars Hill, recorded in chapter 8. What this does, an understanding, eliminates any entitlement mentality which often arises in those who are not well qualified to lead. Their position their, their influence is seen as a, an entitlement and that is absolutely contrary to what Jesus taught. And then secondly a servant leader is one who knows that his value comes as an image bearer. We are created in his image. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, In Christ, we are a new creature. In Christ, we have a new spiritual DNA. We aren't the same people that we were, apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, in our old nature, the Apostle Paul says that there is nothing good within that nature other than that we are image bearers of God. A servant leader is one who knows that his value comes as an image bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that should sober us and it should excite us that we are, before a watching world, a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then a servant leader is one who also knows that his significance is a bestowal. What do you have that you did not receive? We're talking here about spiritual gifts, temperaments, personality, all of the things that make us into whom we are, body, soul, and spirit. It's all a gift. And you think about it. Is there anything that you have that was not given to you? There isn't one thing. If you really think, Oh, I'm, I'm self-made. I made all this money who gave you the breath to breathe while you made all that money, etc.? I mean, you go back to the very end, it always, everything, nothing that we have did we not receive. And then it says in Ephesians 1:5 that we are adopted as sons. <clears throat> when a child is selected to be the child of parents, out of an orphanage, it isn't because that child did anything to deserve to be adopted by the parents. Likewise, when Jesus adopted us as his sons out of the orphanage of sin, it wasn't because we deserved it. It was by grace. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And if we could earn our salvation, guess what? We'd all be pretty proud of it, wouldn't we? But that's just not the way it is. We were dead in trespasses and sin without Christ, having no hope, no ability, but God in his mercy chose, reached down, drew us to himself that we might be adopted as his sons. A servant leader is one who knows that his leadership is granted by others. No room for dictators. We urge you, therefore, to recognize, it also means respect, those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. I regularly, at elder meetings, but most particularly at staff meetings, remind the people on staff that they are serving as a privilege, not a right. And that is an attitude that you really grab a hold of that is motivating. It is a privilege to serve in the body of Christ. And it's a privilege that's granted by the people. That's why we have ratification ballots when we choose and select elders and so on. And then a servant leader is one who knows that his leadership has little to do with office or position and everything to do with involvement. Next Sunday, we're going to start a series through the summer of uh, Old Testament, the very last book of the Old Testament, and it's not Malachi. The very last book of the Old Testament written was Nehemiah after the exile the most practical book that I've been able to find in all of the Bible and I'm looking forward to preaching through it because most of. The, well Chris is here he might, he might help me out a time or two I, we're going to talk about that but uh, Justin you know, he's flaky he just, he just left for three months uh, no he's not flaky he's having a ball from what I hear uh, for those of you that don't know uh, Justin has taken three months and he's going to g- travel to all 30 major league ballparks and see a game and the first park that he was at was Safeco Field at Seattle and he watched Seattle beat the Kansas City Royals one to nothing that is an exciting game if you're really into baseball you're just biting your nails, nails in the ninth inning to see if the closer can, can close the deal anyway he was there and he's going he's gonna to have a ball. But I'm going to be home, sticking with the staff, martyr that I am, preaching through Nehemiah. And I'm really looking forward to it. In Nehemiah, in the third chapter, it's about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And as in the text you can see on the screen, the nobles had an entitlement mentality. And they didn't put their shoulder to the to the task but it says that the people had a heart to work and that is a rare thing a leader is one who says follow me i'll show you by example these leaders were not leading and yet the people still had a heart for the work and we'll have more to say about that later on but this there is a tendency upon leaders who have an entitlement mentality to kind of have a, what I call, positionitis. I'm in this position, therefore I have uh, greater privileges. That's just the opposite of what it should be. And then finally, a servant leader is one who knows that his leadership is for the benefit of others, thus he is a servant. It's a not-about-me attitude. Attitude. Well, let's move briefly on then to the church offices. In James 5.14, it says, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders and let them. I have uh, elders plural and them underlined. The whole idea of a plurality of pastors, elders in a church, are the ones who, who are to minister to the body. We get that here in this church. We have multiple leadership team. And more and more this leadership team is functioning as in the sense of what the traditional senior pastor model has been. We're, I believe and this church believes that this is the New Testament church leadership model. is an, a plurality of elders. But we haven't quite been as clear as it relates to the issue of deacons. And Paul said to the Philippian believers, he wrote, he addressed them to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the elders and deacons. There are two revealed offices to be held within a local church, elders and deacons. And one of the reasons deacon ministry has been slow to develop in this particular church And it's pretty common. Uh, I know the church that we began in Anchorage uh, went from nothing to multiple hundreds in just a very rapid time. And what happened there, and I think happened here, because of the complexity and the immensity of the need, people were brought on staff in paid positions to organize and make a lot of these things happen. And I believe that probably happened here, though I was not here. But we are in a situation now where there is a felt need among the elders, and I hope among the congregation, that it is time to designate people within our church that put their focus, their ministry focus, on the needs within our particular body. And a brief review of, of responsibilities, real quickly, the responsibilities of the elder first. Their job is to lead, and in First Peter, First Peter chapter 5, verse 3, I'm going to read verse 2, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Leadership within the body of Christ is all about example. And here they, uh, Peter said to, f- to shepherd the flock. And that's the word poimien, to keep, tend, furnish, pasturage, It's used of a shepherd. And uh, I've said this so many times, I don't know if I've said it here, but uh, it still bears being said. If you're going to be an elder in a church, the people are sheep. So are you. But if you're going to be a shepherd in a flock of sheep, you need to smell like a sheep. In other words, you need to be involved, connected, out there, where you can bind wounds, where you can feed the sheep, where you can be a shepherd. The second responsibility of an elder is to feed and to protect, and this is a very significant, important passage in Acts chapter 20. It may be familiar to you. Paul stopped off at Ephesus on his way back to Jerusalem. He met the believers out on the beach, and he said this to the elders. Take heed to yourselves, first of all, And then to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves." A significant part of feeding the flock is protecting it. Protecting it from those who would lead astray, who would teach those things that are contrary to godliness, contrary to truth in general. And there is any number of um, teachings out there today that are destructive. And that is so, so very true, even in the evangelical church today. There are those who are called evangelicals. There's about 500 million evangelicals in the world today. These would be considered mostly conservative Christians. And yet, when you look at the surveys of what evangelicals believe, it is frightening to realize the inroads that have been made into the evangelical church of of false teaching One survey I saw said that 30% of those who call themselves evangelical believe that you earn your salvation. Hard to imagine, but it's true. Where's that coming from? Well, you watch some of the teaching that's on the TV today. It's the health, wealth, and success gospel. I read my Bible, and uh, I don't see that. I see take up your cross and follow me. You don't hear a whole lot of that in the Gospels that are being preached out there today. And I'll say this too, this is a unique church because the teaching comes out of God's Word. It's not a series of topical sermons about this and that felt. It might, you might leave feeling good, but there's no foundation been laid to live life as God would intend us to live. Fourth, to rule, well, third, to teach the believers the Word of God. Almost goes without saying, and yet the part there where, where Paul said to Timothy in chapter 4, reprove, rebuke, exhort. We don't do real good with that individually. I don't like to be exhorted and rebuked. Sometimes it's very necessary. And our heart attitudes together, especially in the home groups, this is where that kind of ministry to each other can and should take place. The elders are also responsible to rule the affairs. Uh, the, the word that's used there, translated rule, means to bring under subjection to. And to what? Not to the individual, but to the Lord Jesus. And this is done as, a, as he is a pattern. And an example to the flock, as we've already said. And then f- fifth, they are to equip the believers for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ might be edified. Same word that is used there is used of a military officer preparing his troops for battle. And I think the motto at the end of the day Should be as a goal for the elders that every member a minister. We are far beyond the the thing that we pay the preacher to be the minister. Minister, by the way, referring to a pastor, is a term I hate. I hate that second to the one I really hate is reverend. Ugh, I hate that term. I'm not a reverend, I'm not a minister. I happen to be an elder pastor in a local church. No better, no different than the other. My role might be different. But this whole thing of the reverends up here and the, the peons down here, I just, I just I don't like that. Can you tell? Do I have, a, do I have an opinion? Elders, oops, and deacons. <clears throat> Diaconos literally means to wait on tables. That's how it's used, and that's the core of the definition. In the Old Testament, priests... Uh, excuse me, not well, the priests and then the Levites. They waited upon the Lord. What does that mean? They they were attentive to him doing his bidding in the, the Old Testament sacrificial worship system. In the New Testament church there are gifts given to each believer. And there's two in particular the gift of helps and the gift of serving. The distinction between the two, a person who has the gift of helps gets great delight when his serving is to help a particular individual. It's people-oriented. The gift of serving, it's just something needs to be done. It won't immediately help anybody, but it's something that needs to be done. And a person that has the gift of serving just creates great delight in serving, no matter what. Those are just two of the many gifts But those are two prominent gifts you find among those who have a calling to be a deacon. (coughs) Oops. I'm going backwards. I don't know what happened. This went way back. Am I pushing the wrong button? There we go. Okay. Operator error. The ministry of a deacon is within the flock... And without, or the facilities, the flock within, the facilities without. And there's a lot of pros, cross-pollination, but predominantly, the Ministry of Deaconesses is in the area of the flock within and predominantly of the deacons of the facilities without. The uh, care for those who are sick, meals, uh, new mothers, prayer chain, Preparation for communion, and identifying other physical needs within the body that might be referred to the deacons. The facilities. Um, beyond that, there are the need, the needs that individual members have. I mentioned the, the water problems a year ago that uh, we were ill-equipped to 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 reach, in and help with. Um, One of the things that might be surprising, it was to me, but on a typical Sunday morning, 20% of the congregation, about 20 out of 100 of those in attendance will be ladies who are single. Uh, I'm talking about those who are widowed, those who are divorced, those who um, have an unsaved husband who doesn't accompany them. And I'm talking also about the wives of slope workers. Uh, There are just many ladies who have various needs, and at least part of the time, uh, are unaccompanied by a man. And especially the, the single moms have unique needs. And especially if they're not in a home group, these needs are just going to go unattended to. But we need to be sensitive to this. And there are other things that I could identify. But we need to show our love to, first of all, to each other. And identifying these situations and, and reaching out is the first step. And we need some organization in that. And the deacons and and deaconesses will need to interact with the home groups, with the church staff, the elders, and the missions in action uh, team. As far as the development of this ministry and how many meetings uh, might be needed and whether the deacons and the deaconesses would meet together occasionally or just how it will develop, Quite honestly, the elders believe in delegating responsibility and with it the authority to carry out their mission. They want to be helpful but not micromanage. I hope that communicates. So th- there's a, there will be a freedom to, to develop and be creative and innovative and so on. And as you think about this... <coughs> um, be asking yourself, Would God want me to be involved in, in this kind of a ministry, even though it is not totally defined? Yet generally it is. And the, another thing that uh, has already been settled here: What about deaconesses? Clearly, in the Word of God, in my opinion, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a diaconon, a deaconess, of the church's centuria. This church long ago settled the issue: of Are there deacons and deaconesses? And they concluded yes. Now in a, just a general overview of, of a church and its organization, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The congregation is responsible to select its leadership. The elders, their primary responsibility is to lead, and the primary responsibility of the deacons is to serve. And how do we select? The specific process is by the people, Acts 6, and the primary basis upon which their selection is made is a godly lifestyle. That comes before any other practical qualification. And as you read through those qualifications that are listed, there are over 20 that are mentioned in the two texts and if you didn't pick one of these up on the way in, I encourage you on, on the way out to pick up. It's the Peninsula Grace uh, pre-nomination form. And it's a recommendation form. If you have, you yourself would like to be considered to serve as a deacon or deaconess, or you would like to recommend somebody who you think would be good in in this kind of a ministry, uh, write their name down and put it in the offering plate t- today or Next Sunday, we have actually two Sundays, till June 1st, to complete this. And from, from these n- recommendations, the elder the elders will make selections and, and go to the people to see if they're willing to serve. And if they are, then they will be put on the, the ratification ballot at the annual meeting, which, by the way, is set for June 22nd, about four weeks from now, four or five weeks from now. All that has been said as our leadership as a servant leader, whether it be in our home, at work, at school, wherever God has planted us, God has given us a model to follow. And that model is the consummate leader, the consummate servant leader, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, clear back in Isaiah 52, was actually referred to by the Father as the Lord's Righteous servant. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Lord's righteous servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life that we might have eternal life. And I thank you, Father, that in the process he also gave us an example. All of his life, Father, he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. He also, Father, gave himself as an example that we should do as he did. And that means we love people and we seek to serve to their benefit and welfare. And I pray, Father, that we might become expert in loving each other and serving one another and uh, identifying and reaching out to the needs of each other. And I pray, Father, that you would lay it upon the heart of some of the folks here in our church to specifically be designated as deacons and deaconesses, that they might serve and organize others to serve one another. These things I pray in Jesus' name, amen.